Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception. Today's episode is going to be about a leadership effectiveness. Are you an effective leader? Think about that question for just a second. Let that bounce around in your gray matter. Are you an effective leader? Are you an effective leader? How do you know? Who's the judge? Is it the eye of the beholder? And if you're the beholder, a self-concept of your own effectiveness, are you going to be biased? Can we avoid the biases, confirmation bias, self-enhancement bias? That's what we're going to talk about. I also have an article coming from the Encyclopedia of Leadership, and these two authors give a definition of effective leadership. And I think it's a good starting point. We'll discuss just a little bit of that definition and how it applies to leadership effectiveness. All right, hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, everybody, welcome back to Leadosophy, where we break down leadership effectiveness. The leadership effectiveness, I believe, is tossed around kind of haphazardly. We just throw that term around loosely. He or she is an effective leader. John's effective. But what does that really mean? That's what leadosophy is searching for today. I'm not trying to search for any right answer, so to speak. I'm just trying to break it down into some component parts to deepen our understanding of effectiveness. And understanding effectiveness in all the different contexts and situations that we're we're in as leaders, that you're in as, as a leader, day in and day out, within your organization and your community, it doesn't matter. I have an article written by James Cooper and John Nienberg. It's written in the Encyclopedia of Leadership. And why I wanted to bring this up was the two authors, and I'll link this article in, in the notes for the show, but these two art, these two authors put forth a definition of effective leadership. Leadosophy doesn't necessarily say it's a right or wrong definition, but it is a starting point for us to talk about leadership effectiveness. And a starting point is good. From a philosophical standpoint, from the tools of philosophical thought, if we're all working on the same sheet of music with one similar definition, then we can start analyzing more closely how our effectiveness applies to this definition, what's the benchmarks, so on and so forth. So the authors write, the concept of leadership effectiveness is difficult to define because it is a complex concept that attempts to capture myriad components, multiple organizational contingencies, and various personal and interpersonal behaviors. Here, in this article, we shall attempt a normative definition and explain how its many components help us grasp a complex subject. And this is a very complex subject. 
Because when you start talking about leadership effectiveness, there's so many things that go into it. Again, we're going to talk a little bit later about who's judging the effectiveness. I will say that your boss, your boss's boss, the organization as a whole, especially management side, if they're judging your effectiveness as a leader, it's probably going to carry a lot of weight. Especially if it means promoting, if it means taking a job of higher responsibility. How our boss judges our leadership effectiveness matters a lot. Even if you think you are highly effective, that's your self-concept. If people above you don't think you're effective, does that matter more? Maybe, maybe not. So continue on with, with this article. The, the authors write, people define the concept of leadership effectiveness in many ways. Stogdill, 1974, Bass, 1981, and Bass and Stogdill, 1990, cataloged and interpreted almost 5,000 studies of the concept and found great variance in its definition. Burns, 1978, this is James McGregor Burns. He kind of made famous this idea of transformational leadership versus transactional. Burns, 1978, captured the problem most vividly in a statement still widely quoted today. Quote, leadership, he said, is one of the most observed and least understood phenomena on earth. People seem to accept a default position that leadership is simply what leaders do and that leaders are simply people in position in positions of power over others. An alternative to this position will be offered later. We must have a starting point for our understanding of leadership effectiveness, even if it means that almost immediately we will create controversy. Leadosophy believes that, again, we must have a starting point if we want to be on the same page of our discussion, if we want to discuss leadership effectiveness rationally amongst, amongst us, we must be on the same page of what definitions we're working on. So the authors continue, and they put forth their own definition. I, I read from them. One inclusive definition of leadership effectiveness is the successful exercise of personal influence by one or more people that results in accomplishing shared objectives in a way that is personally satisfying to those involved. So here we go. If we're going to break down this definition, which is I want to briefly talk about this definition on this show, and then you can take it and run with it. The, sec the successful exercise of personal influence by one or more people that results in accompli accomplishing shared objectives in a way that is personally satisfying to those involved. Can you accomplish a shared objective, whether it's in your team, in your office, whatever it might be? Can you accomplish shared objectives and have everyone personally satisfied? This is the dichotomy between a mission-centric idea of effectiveness, leadership effect effectiveness, and the human-centric side of leadership effectiveness. And I've, I think I've talked about this on other shows before. I think I just brought it up on the last show. The hydraulic model, where are we channeling our energy? If we challenge channel more of our leadership energy to ensuring that the missions and the objectives are accomplished... Will that take away some of the energy from focusing on our people 
and making sure our people are happy in pursuit of those goals? Can you do that simultaneously? I think it's yes and no. Maybe. Like, again, curious to hear your thoughts. Can you pursue an objective? Let's call it a shared objective. Can you pursue, pursue a shared objective and, and hope that everyone is going to be satisfied? I don't know if that's complete. I think that's utopia, maybe. But I always say you're never going to please everyone. It's not going to happen. If you fail to achieve an, a, a shared objective, will everybody by default think you were not effective? Well, if it was a team effort, how are you to blame to be blamed for not achieving that objective. Now, people above you might blame you because you didn't achieve a shared objective. You may receive all the blame. Maybe that's why you get paid the big bucks as a leader to assume that blame, to absorb that blame. But again, it is a team effort. I'm going to continue reading here. The definition, this definition that the authors are talking about, this definition arouses controversy when examined from perspectives based on behavior in different contexts. Although this definition most comfortably applies to the interpersonal small group and network levels found within typical work environments in almost all political arenas and in some huge organizations, leadership effectiveness will be defined differently. And I think leadosophy would argue that every organization, regardless of size, scope, scale, whatever, will probably have a different idea of effectiveness. I don't know if all of those ideas of effectiveness will ever be congruent, even with it, whether it's just all large corporations, organizations, or small organizations. The authors continue, for organizations in which members or employees are significantly affected by decisions and actions that take place at a distance with only representative participation at best, leadership effectiveness is the successful exercise of personal influence attempts by one or more people that result in, and this is the important part, result in accomplishing organizational objectives congruent with a mission while earning the general approval of their constituencies or stakeholders. Stakeholders being the people who have an interest in an outcome. So here we go. I, I think this is where if we're going to start understanding, deepening our understanding of, of effectiveness we have to hold these two ideas of mission-centric effectiveness and human-centric effectiveness together, side by side. And I think we have to understand that if we are channeling energy one side or the other, mission effectiveness or leadership or human-centric effectiveness, it may mean that we're going to lose energy in another side, or maybe it doesn't have to be. Maybe you can simultaneously enhance mission effectiveness and human-centric effectiveness. As a leader, maybe you can be viewed as effective because you can accomplish both. The more you can accomplish both together, the mission accomplishment side and keeping people happy side. And it's not just keeping people happy. There's a lot more into it from a human-centric standpoint. But if you can work on both of those simultaneously, I think your effectiveness may be judged higher. But again... What do we use to judge leadership effectiveness? 
how are we judging our leadership effectiveness in the realm of mission-centric versus human-centric? What are we using? What are our benchmarks? What are our standards? How are we measuring this? I think you have followers, right? Willing, willing followers versus forced followers. Some people are forced to follow. Other people choose to follow, right? If you're not in a business or organization, if you're out in the community, you work on a community project. You may not be forced in this. You may choose this voluntarily. Or you may leave voluntarily the situation if you have ineffective leadership. You don't want to be part of this community project because the people leading the project are not treating you well. They're not listening to your ideas. They're not listening to how you believe or how you, your view of mission effectiveness, whatever project you're working on. What about, let's say you own a small business. Employee retention rates. Is that a good benchmark or measurement for determining effectiveness of leadership management? I would argue probably a good chance. There's probably a good chance it is. Employee retention. If you can't keep your employees, if they're not happy to work there, if your employees are coming in and leaving at an astronomical rate, there may be a leadership effectiveness issue that you may have to unpack. What about surveys? We see this all the time, surveys in the workplace. In the military, we had these command climate surveys, one of my favorites. I say that a little sarcastically. These command climate surveys, anonymous surveys, would come out once a year. It'd be voluntary. And, you know, it's usually, in my experience, it's usually one of those times where people really use those surveys to complain. And sometimes the complaints are really good. They're effective. But a lot of times their complaints potentially about leadership effectiveness. But yet there's not a lot of meat behind it. There's not a lot of reasons behind the complaints. There's not a lot of ideas put forth on how to solve problems. It's just kind of random complaining. I could think of another word, but you probably get what I'm saying. And again, I'm not saying these surveys are bad per se, but again, in my experience, what I've seen is a lot of times these surveys are, are really jumped on by, by people who quite frankly, don't, I don't think they always have constructive feedback. Again, there's, I think there's a difference between constructive feedback, constructive criticism, and just like people who are just never happy, no matter what you try to do. So you have to try to filter that out. It's the signal versus the noise. What's just a bunch of noise, but what are like true signals that you need to take out and say, we need to focus on that. That is definitely great feedback. And it's an indicator that we are not effective as a leader or management. Continuing on judging leadership effectiveness, I think of the, the age-old adage of performance appraisals your boss counseling you on your performance. Leadership effectiveness is probably a part of that feedback session. What about 360 degree feedback? I don't know what the success rates of 360 degree feedback are. I don't know if anyone out there has ever experienced that. Getting feedback from 
a subordinate, getting a feedback from your manager, from peers, right? If you, if you gather all of this feedback on effectiveness, can you start to get an idea of whether you are actually effective or not as a leader? And again, these are a lot of times these are subjective, very subjective opinions about your effectiveness. How much data is actually used? Or is it just, I like John, he's a great boss to work for. That's the kind of feedback you're getting. And then you take that feedback and be like, well, Jason likes me as a leader, so I guess I'm effective. What about product output? Quality of services? What about customer base? Do you have a robust customer base? If you're, say, say you're in the service industry, and if you have a robust customer base, can you still have an effective leadership? The same goes to high quality output or high quality of services. I think there can be contradictions. I think you can have a customer base, which is when the article we talked about stakeholders, your stakeholders, maybe your external stakeholders could really like your organization, but internally you can have some fairly ineffective leadership. What about objectives reached, missions accomplished, financial growth? And then one of my favorite, collective happiness. And how do you measure collective happiness? I talked about this on the, I think the last episode. If you have extremely low morale in your organization, you have a very dysfunctional organizational climate, organizational culture. However, you are financially a huge success, your business. What's the contradiction and are you effective? Mission-centric versus human-centric. And if you have a big disparity between the two, how long before the one causes the other to collapse? How long, if you're, if you're high on mission success and you're very low on employee morale on the human-centric side, how long before that will cause the mission-centric stuff to collapse? I don't know. So again, we ask, our, we ask ourselves this question, are we effective? And I've talked about who decides this and which groups carry the most weight. Is it easier to judge our effectiveness as a coach, a mentor? What about a husband or a wife? Is judging ourselves as an effective husband or wife the same as judging ourselves as an effective leader? Is there overlap? What are the standards of judgment? Are there objective standards? like observing a diving competition or even gymnastics. I talked about this in the intro, the biases matter. If we're talking about this idea of self-concept and judging our own effectiveness, I don't know if we can do that accurately. Which it creates a, it creates a paradox for leadosophy because leadosophy is very much into reflection and self-reflection. So you have to, I think that's part of the self-reflection. You have to keep that in mind that you may have something, certain mental biases that are working against you in judging your own leadership effectiveness. Confirmation bias is a huge one. If you believe that you are effective as a leader, it's going to, it's going to affect how you filter information, external information. If someone says, 
you're not effective, you believe you are effective, you're going to explain away why they, someone else said that you're effective and you believe that you are. You're going to try to explain your reason. You will reason away why Schmitty, your boss, has said you're ineffective, but you believe you're, you are effective. Or Schmitty has said you're ineffective, but you believe you are effective. You, you will reason Schmitty's comments away, more than likely. Same thing with maybe followers around you. If they think you're effective, but you may have low self-confidence, you may have low confidence level, you may continually believe that you're not effective, no matter how much feedback you get from your followers saying you are effective. Same, same thing with, you know, kids who are continually dejected or maybe they're told they're not good enough. If someone comes along and tries to say you are good enough, it might be hard for them to process that when they've been maybe beaten down mentally over a long period of time. I don't know how much we actually change into adulthood. If we have low confidence, anything that comes into our mental purview we may try to explain a way that contradicts that. And then the self-enhancement bias. It's a real thing. These are, these are documented biases in studies. You believe you're better than you are. Self-enhancement. So again, I ask, is it possible to judge our own effectiveness without being biased of our effect on others? Eye of the beholder. Again, talked about this in the intro. Followers, external stakeholders, your community, constituents, your boss, the organization who are do, who's do the, doing the promoting. Which eyes, which beholder's eyes matter the most in judging leadership effectiveness? Again, if you're getting promoted by your organization, if you want to be promoted, you have to put a large stake and their judge of, of being effective. And again, contradictions can, can rise. I've seen many, in my time in the military, I've seen many, many of really great officers who eventually were not promoted because the organization didn't think they were effective leaders. And I've seen the opposite, contradictions. Again, at the end of the day, if you want to keep your job, those eyes of the beholder who lie above you in the hierarchical pyramid will probably carry more weight. Or again, maybe not. Maybe you don't care about getting promoted. Maybe you just care about the followers, the willingly, the willing followers around you who enjoy being led by you, regardless of what your boss or your boss's boss say. Something to think about. A lot of things can go into effective leadership, leader effectiveness. I think what we've solved today here on Leadosophy is that at a minimum you have to balance or find a balance or use benchmarks of mission effectiveness versus human-centric effectiveness. I think you have to hold those two, those two concepts together. And at the end of the day, you also have... Leadership effectiveness in the particular and the universal. And what I mean by that particular, you can be successful one day. You can be effective one day in the, in the world of leadership. 
but maybe over the span of a long time, maybe be ineffective and then vice versa. Maybe you have a bad day. You were a completely inadequate or ineffective leader, but yet over the long span of time, people judge you as a highly effective leader. Or maybe these, these line up more often than not. We're going to have bad days. You're going to have a bad, day, a bad leadership day. It's natural. To err is human. We are all fallible human beings. We can't avoid having ineffective leadership days. We try to minimize those days. We try to take an effective day or ineffective day, build upon that, reflect, self-reflect, and figure out how to become more effective from that ineffective day. That, and I, I would argue that in itself is effective leadership. Self-reflection, reflection, building upon the ineffective day, turning that into more effectiveness over the long run. It's the long trend line I think we're looking at here. And again, hopefully you don't run out of real estate, but I think it's the long trend line you have to look at. Don't be discouraged by the dips, the highs and lows. It's the long trend line we're looking at. Effectiveness over a long, long trend of time, long period of time. So I think that's it on leadership effectiveness. Again, I don't know as if there's any universally right or wrong answers. I would argue from, from Leadosophy's standpoint, look at your own contextual situation, look at your own organization. What are your organization's missions, objectives? Are the people that work around you, that work for you, are they in alignment with those mission-centric goals and objectives? And are they happy pursuing those objectives? Short-term, long-term? Do they know what those objectives even are? I would say if, if your followers do not know what the mission objectives are, what the vision is, then your chances of being an effective leader are already going to be diminished. Because how can you square the mission-centric side with the human-centric side if the mission-centric side is not known to the humans? And again, vision. What is the organization's vision? What is your small business's vision? How can you expect your people to be effective? Or how can you expect to be effective if the people who are following you don't know where you're going? Don't know where the organization is going? Short-term, long-term. What's the mission? Is there even a mission statement? All right, folks, that's it. That's all I got. Remember, take this idea of leadership effectiveness and just reflect on it. Think about it. Remember about your own biases and how they may affect your judgment on your effectiveness. What about just asking someone, am I effective? And then by asking that, Maybe try to unpack that. What are they using to judge how effective you are? And have they judged their own effectiveness? All good stuff. All right, that's all I have. Remember, leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life and of life. I hope you enjoyed this episode on leadership effectiveness. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.